This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health, discussing conception, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. I'm talking with Dr. Ivy Love Margulies in this episode about pregnancy and infant loss. We talk about the grieving process, how traumatizing the whole experience can be, that couples often feel disconnected through the process after a loss. And we also talk about how she supports and helps parents through the grieving process and how they're able to heal even through the pain of this kind of a loss. Dr. Ivy Love Margulies is a clinical psychologist, death midwife, Reiki healer, and licensed funeral director who specializes in grief, loss, and trauma, encompassing the entire spectrum of a woman's reproductive and maternal mental health. In today's modern world, there's a massive void for support and practical information to help soften the pain of unimaginable loss. From infertility, pregnancy release, terminations, miscarriage, postpartum depression, stillbirth, infant loss, and death of all kinds. Dr. Ivy has a unique way of blending psychology, ritual, spirituality, Reiki energy healing, and guided meditations to help facilitate and support women, couples, and families through the grieving process. Thank you so much for being here, Ivy. Oh, it's my pleasure, Kat. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk with you about the work that you do. There's some really unique aspects of of what you bring to healing families after a loss of a baby. Um, If you can start off with telling us about the work that you do. Well, I combine my psychology with being a deaf midwife, also sometimes referred to as a deaf doula, but deaf midwife with ritual. And I think creating ritual around bereavement and grief is incredibly important in order to help transmute all the feelings that encompass what grief is. How do I do that? Well, I think I help prepare parents as best as possible psychologically um, with any thoughts and questions that they may have so that everything feels answered and, and more in control 
generally when parents lose a baby unexpectedly, everything all of a sudden is chaotic and nothing makes sense. And uh, they feel disempowered by the lack of information and the suddenness of everything. So the more you can empower parents with information or what to expect or how to soften kind of the, the decisions they're going to have to be making kind of a quick, short amount of time uh, is all very important and helpful for them. Wow. So we want to help really mitigate the long-term possible detrimental outcomes mental health outcomes of birth trauma and death and grief and PTSD that parents will definitely experience when they've lost a a baby or a pregnancy unexpectedly. Yeah. And I I definitely want to get into a little bit more of the, the, the things that can happen after loss in just a couple minutes. But just to give people a little bit more context too about the the breadth of the work that you do to support parents. Can you tell us about Angels Born Still? Yes. Angels Born Still is something I started as a part of my practice to specifically meet the needs of parents and women in the maternal and reproductive mental health spectrum, not only to have positive outcomes in postpartum mood and anxiety disorders, but through miscarriage, terminations, abortion or pregnant, I like to call pregnancy release to stillbirth, infant death, and, you know, infant loss for whatever reason that might happen. A lot of terminations, unfortunately, are chosen with fetal anomaly diagnoses. Mm -hmm. Um, So usually halfway through, they find out that the baby, for whatever reason, is, is not developing healthfully in the womb, and they need to make the decision whether or not to carry out the pregnancy or not. So I help prepare parents also for terminations, mm. uh, unexpected terminations um, with ritual and helping to put a container around what they're about to go experience so that they don't feel uh, more out of control than they already do. When you have no control over what's going on mm. in utero. I also help women with their infertility, you know, IVF, mm. with, uh, assisted reproductive technology, preparing them for retrievals and transfers. And the whole process of mourning that their bodies cannot produce or have a healthy pregnancy on its own. We are, you know, women, we're grown up and socialized to believe that when you're ready to get pregnant, you will. And when you get pregnant, you're going to have your baby. Right. Uh, That when you get pregnant, your baby's going to die or you're going to have to face some difficult decisions or that your body cannot get pregnant. But I also want to add that over half of those situations or times when when there is infertility involved, the men are also implicated in that. It's not always the woman. And our society always assumed the woman. And oftentimes it's also the men. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of support in place from the men as well to, you know, have to face the fact that they too perhaps have some infertility issues. And therefore it leads to having to make decisions they didn't think they'd have to make either. Right. Wow. You know, just the amount of education and information that you provide, I imagine is so supportive and helpful to, I mean, you know, a mom, a dad, a a parent who's going through a loss of any kind when they have that hope and expectation that they're going to have a live, healthy baby there's no way to know all of the ins and outs of the medical procedures and the term terminology of things that doctors are talking about and how they're going to feel if they've never been through something like this before, how 
how can you even anticipate what you're really going to feel like? It seems like the support that you provide is just imperative. Mm -hmm. I think so. I think if you're left to wonder what's going to happen, your mind will fill in the gaps. Yeah. Human nature is to find answers and reasons for things. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have an answer, we will fill it in with our own, you know, made up idea of what will be taking place or why things are happening the way they are. So it's important to definitely be ahead of the curve on that for Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. to help their minds have help with that. Yeah. This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility and joy. So in the, in the process of the, the work that you do as, a, I mean, you're, you're a psychologist and you, you help with the information education and therapy piece. In terms of the work that you do as a death midwife or death doula, you're also giving information, but you're doing something additionally, more above and beyond what a therapist would be doing. Right. So I also offer the ritual piece, which I was mentioning before, which I I believe in the healing power of of using crystals, you know, whether that's amethyst or moonstone or rose quartz or carnelian or all these beautiful stones um, all give off energetic properties and they help to calm and soothe and bring comfort to the process. I like to create sacred space. I talk about creating sacred space. So lighting a candle, using aromatherapy, Mm -hmm. um, using affirmations, 
writing a letter to the deceased baby or writing a letter to the baby prior to a termination, Mm. um, writing a poem, playing music, creating a meditation or listening to a meditation, using hypnotherapy meditation, even down to wearing colors that maybe mean something to you or help to provide comfort for you as well. Mm. And then to bring things from home that are comforting, a blanket, a pillow, cozy socks, whatever helps also physically create a sense of comfort for you and to ground yourself mm-hmm. through using, I, I use a grounding meditation. Actually, if your listeners would be interested in receiving that as a gift from me, I'd be happy to send that to them. I have a grounding meditation recorded that I'd be happy to give out. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but I also believe in using, you know, Palo Santo wood or sage to clear out any energetic, negative energetic properties in the room or around the person. So, so I use a lot of different kinds of techniques as well to help bring ritual and order in the chaos, right. which is really, really what my work is about. Mm-hmm. I also, and I know you interviewed Kylie Hannish, work with Kylie, and we created a hospital card for a decision-making card for, for parents to use in the hospital. Yeah. Um, and we've, ha- we've mailed out, I think, almost 10,000 of them now yeah. in uh, both English and Spanish. And we have them in French as well to help people have a decision-making guide, just a card to help think about and cr- uh, put order again into all the things that one has to do and think about when something suddenly has happened. So there's something called the Pregnancy Loss and Infant Death Directory, and that's online, and that's a great resource for people to go to. Yeah, and I, I will put all of these resources and links to all of these things up in the show notes for folks who are listening to access that as an, in addition to um, a way to contact you for that meditation. Just in terms of the, the bereavement cards, I have distributed several, uh, well, I think about a thousand of them to hospitals near me. Um, and I think they're beautifully done and they're so powerful, but also really easy to read and, and to look at. So, you know, anyone who's listening who has a hospital system or a clinic who would benefit from kind of a guide on what to do when and if your baby dies, it's a beautiful resource that you guys have developed. I, I just love it. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for yeah, all. I think it's helped a lot of families. Yeah. I think it's good. It, it helps the nurses as mm-hmm. well. Too counsel the brief parents yeah for sure the other thing we need to i think important to just mention is you know i mentioned the word ptsd and and how post-traumatic stress is often just associated with war veterans or people in intensive care units or people who've been in car accidents but it's rarely or it's starting at least now to get more notice for birth loss and birth trauma and experiencing ptsd especially after pregnancy loss, infant death, and even when your baby has to go to the NICU, mm-hmm. you know, these are things that you're witnessing an event that is out of the norm that causes your body to go into shock and your mind to go into shock. And as you process and make sense of what's happening, your body protects you. Mm-hmm. So you can feel numbed out, actually, and not have access to the range of emotions that you perhaps would think you'd be feeling so there's a lot of judgment and criticism that can come in a lot of guilt but often flashbacks are a hallmark sign of PTSD 
um, they're intrusive and they're upsetting and they can cause distress. Thoughts of, of uh, something about the event or the, the trauma itself kind of coming in mm-hmm. their minds very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, for a mom who's, or dad who or or parent, however you are embodying parenthood, if you have a child that is dying or who has died, like you said, it, it can be so chaotic. I would think it's obvious to note that, you know, a parent would be grieving. But these signs and symptoms that you're describing are a little bit outside of just kind of standard grief, I guess, if you would want to call it that. Um, you know, having flashbacks and, and things like that. Um, what are some other signs? What would a mom be noticing or a parent be noticing if they were experiencing any PTSD or depression or anxiety? Efforts to avoid activities or situations which arouse recollections of the event mm-hmm. of the death or an inability to recall important aspects of what happened. Mm. That's actually called psychogenic amnesia. Um, there's feelings of detachment or estrangement from other people. Mm-hmm. Your world becomes really small. You tend to really need a sense of order and you don't want to be, you know, taken by surprise by anything. Yeah. So you'll tend to really want your day to go A to B to C, mm-hmm. A to B to C. You know, you don't want to go A, F, Z, G, D. Mm-hmm. You're going to um, want a sense of, of consistency and order. So you'll also avoid any situations where you might be what we call triggered. Sometimes you can't help it. I mean, if you're out at the grocery store, you might run into women that are pregnant or with infants and new babies, but you might actually avoid the hospital area or the, or you might avoid the doctor. You might not want to go to the same doctors anymore. You might, you know, conversely, you might want to rock or hold something at home to comfort you in, in, in your grief. So it. You know, you're going to avoid generally friends who are pregnant or have children, avoid playgrounds, parks. Mm. Even if you're, you know, if you're observant in some way religiously, you might start avoiding church or synagogue or a place you might have gone before. You may be unable to watch TV shows or news or movies. You actually can usually be on hyper arousal state. So your amygdala is lit up for fight or flight. So you're always on the outlook for anything that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. or may cause discomfort. Mm-hmm. So difficulty concentrating, irritability tends to go up. And for men, you'll see this three to six months later, there's typically more road rage, more hours spent at work. Anytime you have to wait in line at a bank or grocery store or traffic, you, you can feel yourself getting just more and more anxious, more and more anxious. So the best thing to do is actually sing to songs on the radio that you know, don't listen to the news, try to distract yourself um, in traffic by with singing. And that's really helpful if you have to wait in line. So a lot of people say, well, if you're feeling anxious, you should just relax and breathe. That's actually not helpful for people with PTSD. Um, people with PTSD actually need to feel like they have a container or they're being held. So it's better to tighten up your fists as you breathe in and then relax them as you breathe out or tighten up your whole body as you breathe in and then relax your body as you breathe out. It helps you feel like you are safe and that you have, you're being held. Yeah. More mm-hmm. of an active process, um, engaging the whole body in, in the, the process of kind of getting through those difficult moments. 
Right. You said something that I want to um, also come back to is that for men who've experienced a loss, their symptoms might show up three to six months later. Yeah. But, um, can you explain a little bit about that and, and how and why? Sure. Typically because, well, men and women do grieve differently. And this is based on science. Once in a while, you might come across, you know, the opposite where a woman may appear more stoic and the man is more emotive. But, but generally, women are more emotive. They want to talk about it. They tend to want to put their feelings out there more. And men don't. Men tend to want to take care of their wives' needs or parent or partner's needs. They want to be stoic and strong and, you know, get back to work. And they want their their wife or partner to be the person they were prior to the loss. They tend to feel like there is a time limit to being sad. Uh, men tend to... If they're grieving or having symptoms and not being really aware of it, again, substance abuse can go up, working later hours, not really being emotionally available, getting irritable more easily, Mm -hmm. Um, again, road rage, um, impatience, and I don't know, tending to look more like jerks, not, not, and they don't even, they're not even really aware of it. And arguing can obviously escalate between couples as well. Mm because there's a misattunement. They're not, they're not really tuning into each other and mm-hmm. giving each other the time that they need to check in. And so I have a big prescription that they need to hug three times a day for a minimum of 20 seconds, which releases oxytocin and helps them feel more bonded, but also to allow space one time, at least one time a week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, hopefully where they just, they just allow themselves to, to check in with each other. Mm-hmm. and allow allow each other to express what they're feeling or going through. Oftentimes a man could also be having a bad day and but won't share it because they don't want to upset their wife or partner because they seem to be having a good day. So men can also feel shut down not not you know unwittingly. So and also I think women have more outlets in our society for for comfort and care and to share their experiences than men do. Men tend not to have that. Um however if they were to share it more, probably with people at work or men around them, they'd be surprised to hear, oh my gosh, me too, or my mm. wife or my sister or my mother or, or so-and-so just had that happen. Or It's um, incredibly, sadly, more common than we think, but we just don't put it out there. We just don't talk about it. Right. Okay. So in, in terms of, I mean, this is an incredibly difficult and and painful experience. And from all the things you've described, you know, it's very helpful to have information and education and kind of a roadmap of things that you might feel and whatnot. But certainly the the couple may, may be going through quite a bit together. And it sounds like from what you were just describing that sometimes they're not necessarily going through the same, they're having their own separate experiences. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, so what, I mean, it just leaves me wondering with, with all of this, with all of it being so challenging and so difficult for so many people, how do people get through this? I'm I'm, I'm imagining the mom who's thinking to herself, how am I ever going to feel myself again? How am I ever going to feel normal? Mm -hmm. How do, how do they? Well, it's a very challenging time to say the least um they will never feel their old self again there is a new normal it's a new normal going forward Mm -hmm. can they find 
comfort and support? Absolutely. Can, are they going to be feeling the most, you know, unimaginable pain and loss they've ever felt? Absolutely. So, you know, you're walking in two different worlds is excruciating. It's, at times, the longing is so profound, it's, it can bring you to your knees. Mm-hmm. And yet on the other side, you want to also work towards healing and transmuting that that unimaginable pain to finding a softer way of living as you move forward in your life with the comfort and support of people around you that understand you and not make you feel weird or abnormal or like you should be done with this or mm-hmm. okay, enough time has passed. Um, you need to find people around you that are supportive and loving and who always have kind of that listening ear for you. Mm-hmm. One of the best resources for people to find healing is, is a support group where they can feel like they can remove the mask they wear every day out in society and be themselves and people to share things with other people in the group that they would never probably even think of sharing um, normally, whether that's maybe they carry a little bit of their baby's ashes around with them, or they put it in some jewelry that they're wearing, or there's photos on their phone that they keep and look at and don't share with other people or how they've created, you know, an area in their home that memorializes that baby's brief life, uh, how they can share things and thoughts and feelings and maybe even writings or art. I've had people even share art that they've created um, with the group that wouldn't normally be shared in an open kind of social way. So it, it really helps take that disenfranchised grief mm-hmm. and, and, and give it a forum for people to bring out into the light and, um, yeah. and feel normal and not like they need to hide the, their love for that for that child that could not come into the world for whatever reason. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota and I am your host for the podcast No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Yeah. And I I imagine too, from some of the moms and parents that I have met with is this feeling of like, um, not sure if they're doing it the right way or that Mm -hmm. they're not supposed to do a certain things and how much comfort that they get with knowing that there is no right way. There's it's their way. And that so many people have so many different ways of grieving and healing through that grief. Correct. Correct. Yeah, there's there's no wrong way, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. No way. Um, so for for those you know parents who are not sure that they'll be able to, or not sure how they're going to get through this, you've seen them get through it. I'm watching it all the time. Yeah. Happening baby steps. You no know, pun intended. You know, just like slowly but surely finding their way out of, you know, the most unimaginable, darkest place they never thought they'd ever have to go through. Right. You know, everyone, you know, it, they hear about it. It happens to other people, but you never think it's going to be you. Right. And when it's you, you are definitely searching for answers and a way out of that darkness, that cave, that you just need some light. You need, you need to see some light. Right. And hope. You need so, to help help hold the hope for the future. Right. And it sounds like, you know, as I kind of reflect on what you were saying at the beginning too, is that inherent in the support that you offer is the way through, um, or helping them find the way through, even with giving them the education and helping them not feel as lost in the process. And like you said, normalizing their experience and that it's okay, however they need to grieve is okay. Those are all of those baby steps that you have maybe mm-hmm. started on with them from the very beginning. Correct. Are there things that you say um, or things that you do for, for parents that give them the hope, that give them that beginning pathway to help them feel hopeful about their healing? Yeah, I think the best thing to do is, is just keep normalizing it, helping them to process their feelings and make them feel as normal as possible. Because as you were saying, you know, they often criticize or wonder if they're doing it right, quote unquote, and there is no right way and that, that their lives can still find, they can still find meaning in the loss. Mm. I often talk about the gifts in the loss mm. um, when they can get to that point and see what they've learned or what they have actually gained um, in their lives because of their child's death or their baby's loss uh, death. And that is transformative for them as well like things they would never either do in their life um, it's given them um, something to create um, in the baby's memory that helps other families mm. um, it's helped them maybe to find new meaning in their life too um, wow. and have an open conversations with their significant others that they, they would never have had help them find a, a, a deeper and richer meaning in their lives going forward. Wow. 
Yeah, I'm sure it's hard to imagine that you can get to that place when you're in the beginning or the middle of it. Right. just as you're describing, it can. It sounds like it can be a really beautiful part of their life that they take with them. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you so much for your expertise and your wisdom and and everything you bring to to the parents who are hurting and and the ways in which you help them heal. And thank you so much for sharing this with us today. Oh my gosh, it was such my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening in on this episode. I so strongly feel that we have to keep having these difficult discussions so that moms and families know that they are not alone and that despite the devastation in any way that they're dealing with maternal mental health issues and particularly loss, that they will find a way through. Ivy has a special way of supporting families, and I hope that you are helped by today's episode. Dr. Ivy Love is located in Los Angeles, California, and she can have Skype sessions with her patients as well as groups all over the world. She can be reached through her website, drivymargulis.com, and you can email her at drivylove at gmail.com. Find her on Instagram at drivymargulis. Thank you for joining us today. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com. Also, please subscribe and share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Thank you for being a part of the Mom and Mind community. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.